Welcome to another episode of Do Loss. My name is Levi Bimba, and on today's episode, we're going to talk about 10 reasons why Jesus died on the cross. So today is Good Friday, and it commemorates the day that Jesus died on the cross at the hands of the Romans, uh, spurred on by the Jews. And a quick synopsis of what takes place, uh, or what really happened at a, at a supernatural level, as well as a physical level, is within 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21, where it says, For he hath made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So God made Christ who didn't know sin. God was, uh, Christ was holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners. He didn't know sin, didn't think about sin. He didn't uh, engage in any kind of sin internally or externally. He always did what was right. But God made him sin who knew, who knew no sin for us, for people that believe in Jesus. He became sin so that we might be made the righteousness of God, so that we would have God's righteousness. So as a Christian, when you place your faith in Jesus Christ, God gives you the, the righteousness of Christ, which was perfection, which was holy, which was uh, all-encompassing uh, perfection and, and holiness. God gives that to you as, uh, as, a, as a gift uh, because of your faith in Christ. And that faith even is a gift as Ephesians 2 tells us. So that's what happened really on Good Friday. But I want to talk about 10 reasons why uh, Jesus was on the cross that day uh, about 2,000 years ago. And the first one, the first reason, and these are no, in particular, no particular order. These are all um, uh, very important reasons why Jesus died, but there's no um, a chronological or particular order. These are just 10 reasons that the Bible tells us why Jesus died on the cross and the first one the first re reason why jesus died on the cross was to become a curse uh, for us in deuteronomy verse 27 20 uh, chapters 27 and verse 26 it says that cursed be he that confirmeth not all the words of this law to do them and all the people shall say amen so uh, the bible tell is telling us here that if you do not com uh, com commit yourself to doing the works of the, of the law to uh, obey the law that God has laid down, then you are under a curse. You are under God's judgment. And Paul reiterates this in the New Testament when he writes uh, regarding the gospel in Galatians uh, chapter 3, verse 10, where he says, For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. So if you are not continuing in the law of God, if you are not serving God perfectly, then you are under a curse. You are under God's judgment. So that's one of the reasons why Jesus came and died on the cross was so that he would become that curse for us so that we would not have to face the wrath and judgment of God. So the second reason why Jesus died on the cross was to take away our sin. And Hebrews chapter 10 verses 1 through 18 explains this brilliantly where the writer of Hebrews says, For the law, having a shadow of the good things to come, and not the very image of those things, can never, with those sacrifices which they offered continually, year by year, make those who come unto it perfect. So all those animal sacrifices that the Jews were giving, there's no way that they could have perfected uh, the people that they were, um, that were sacrificing, and namely the Jews. There's no way that anybody could be made right with God by sacrificing an animal. It was impossible. So the writer continues, For then would not sacrifices have ceased to be offered? For worshippers once purged should have had no more consciousness of sin. So Paul saying again, the writer is saying here that if you if the sacrifices were perfect, whether it were satisfactory to God, there would be no need to keep doing them over and over and over again. 
But in those sacrifices, there is a remembrance again made of sins every year, for it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Therefore, when he cometh into the world talking about Jesus, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not have, but a body hast thou prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, thou hast had no pleasure. Again, God is not going to be bribed with the sacrifices, with the offerings that we offer him for our ultimate justification, because those things cannot cleanse away the sins that we have committed. Verse 7, it says, Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book, it is written of me, to do thy will, O God. Jesus came into the world to do the will of God, namely, to die on the cross, to take away sin. Verse 8, Above when he said, Sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and offering for sin, thou wouldest not have, neither hadst pleasure therein, which are offered which are offered in accordance with the law. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. So when Christ came into the world to do the will of God, he took away the uh, the first covenant, the, that, that first covenant of works, or the covenant that was a uh, covenant of the law to do the law of God. He took that one away and established the second covenant of grace, the, the covenant of, of faith, just believing in God and following him and doing what he says, not because you are perfect and holy and righteous and just, but because God, uh, in the form of Jesus Christ, was able to keep the law and always do what God told him to do, and thereby being able to give us uh, of his uh, eternal, eternal uh, treasure of righteousness, giving that to all those who would believe. And so, uh, verse 10, it says, By this will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. So Jesus died on the cross to take away our sin once for all. So he didn't have to die again and again and again and again, as uh, the Catholic doctrine teaches in the Eucharist, where you are literally offering Christ again uh, for sin. The Bible says he died once for all. That's it. There is no other sacrifice needed to take away a sin because that's, that sacrifice that Jesus gave was perfect. It was acceptable to God. In verse 11, it says, And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering time and again the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, talking about Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God from henceforth to wait until his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering he hath perfected forever those that are sanctified. Of this, the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us, after, the, after he had said before, this is the covenant that I, will, that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds will I write them. And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Now, where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. So because our sins have been taken away through the death of Christ on the cross, there remains no more offering needed for sin because the sins are gone by uh, the grace of God, by the mercy of God, by the love of God. And by the promise of God, all of the sins of all those who would believe in Jesus are completely wiped away for eternity. So that's the number two reason why Jesus died on the cross. The number three reason why he died on the cross was to pay the penalty for sin. And if you remember the story of Adam and Eve, God told them that they could eat of every tree in the garden of Eden except for one tree, which was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And in Genesis 2, verses 15 to 17, it says, And the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. So God right there connected disobedience to sin and sin to death. So if you disobey God, you deserve death. And this is taught and reiterated all throughout the Bible. 
But uh, we'll fast forward to Matthew 20, verse 28. Uh, Jesus says, even as the son of man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus came into the world, not for people to uh, necessarily worship him and honor him and glorify him. But he came into the world to give his life, to give his uh, his his perfect life as a sacrifice and really to absorb the penalty of sin that we all deserve, which is death. Uh, Romans 1, 28 to 32, Paul uh, talks all about this in the book of Romans, about what the gospel is and, and why Christ came. Romans 1, verse 28 to 32, Paul says, And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malignity. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, spiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affections, implacable, unmerciful, and knowing the judgment of God, that those who commit such things are worthy of death. They not only do the same, but have pleasure in those who do them. So Paul is saying there that we all know that people who commit these things are worthy of death. If you commit murder, you commit strife, if you lie, if you fornicate, if you are covetousness, if you're a gossiper, you would deserve death according to the law of God. So that's why Jesus came to take away the penalty for the sin, because the penalty for those sins that we have all been, that we are all guilty of in some respect is death. And this is what Paul talks about as he, later in the book of Romans in verse in chapter three, verses 23 to 25. Paul writes, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Him God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through their forbearance of God. So because Christ was willing to shed his blood, willing to die of a violent, uh, brutal death on the cross, he was able to be the propitiation for the sins of all those who would believe the satisfaction for the sins of all those who believe. So he absorbed the penalty for sin in his death uh, on the cross. And, and John writes about this as well. Uh, in first John two, one through two, where he says, my little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Propitiation, meaning the satisfaction, the what was necessary for uh, all of our sins to be forgiven. And John is saying here that he's not just a propitiation for Christians, that uh, he's a propitiation for all of us, all human beings who have ever lived. Are There's only one way to have your sins cleansed, and that is through Jesus Christ's death on the cross. So that's the number three reason. The, the number four reason why Jesus died on the cross was to reconcile God and man. And we see this in John 1 verses 11 through 13. John writes, uh, he came unto his own and his own received him not, but as many as received him. To them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And so God came into the world to recognize Jesus and God. Well, yeah, God really came into the world in the form of Jesus Christ to reconcile us back to himself. Uh, and, and this is not something that we did, not something that we earned for ourselves, not because of our own will or desires or because of our family heritage. All of this was done by the will of God, as verse 13 says of John 1. And it continues in Colossians 1, verses 21 to 20, 
2, Paul writes, And you who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, even now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. So we were alienated, we were enemies, we, were, we, we had no fellowship with God because we, were, we, were, we are evil, we are sinful, we are uh, full of uh, anger and hatred towards God by nature, and God is holy and righteous and just, and he cannot have any fellowship with sin. However, because of his grace, because of his mercy, because of his love, he's able through the death of Jesus Christ, again, all of this happens because of the death of Christ, we are able to be holy and unblameable and unreprovable in the sight of God because the penalty for sin had been paid and we are able to be reconciled with God through the death of Jesus Christ. And Paul uh, talks about this also in 1 Timothy 2, um, verse 5, where he says, for there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. So there is only one God. So meaning there, there is only one true God. There's no other God but the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. There is no other God out there that has any power. There is no Allah. There is no Buddha. There is no uh, Krishna. There is no God uh, of the Hindus. There are no other gods except the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is why there's only one way to be mediated with that God, to, have, to be reconciled to that God, is to put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he is the one who is able to be able to be the mediator between God and man and bring us back together because he's able to get, he was willing to give his life for the sins of men. So the number five reason why Jesus died on the, why Jesus died on the cross was to buy us out of slavery to sin. Uh, Jesus says in John 8, verses uh, 34 to 36, Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth forever. If the son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. So Jesus is saying here, if you commit sin, if you do anything that is wrong, you are, you are, in, you are a slave to sin. You are a servant of sin. You, have, you are bound by sin, you are uh, trapped. You have no escape out of your sin because you have committed it. You are doing it. You are engaging in sin. You are a slave to it. And Jesus is saying here, the only way for you to be free indeed is if I, the Son, set you free. Uh, and then Acts 20, uh, verse 28, uh, another uh, very uh, clear passage regarding uh, what God did on the cross in Christ. Acts 20, 28 uh, Paul says to the Ephesian elders there, Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over, over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. Now, it sounds weird. How could God, who is spirit, Jesus told us in John four twenty four, God is spirit. How is God, who is spirit, uh, able to purchase uh, a people who with his own blood? And that's because he purchased it with his own blood in Jesus Christ, the man Jesus Christ. So Jesus died on the cross to purchase us, to buy us out of the slave market of sin and bring us into his family uh, to make us his friends, his children, and even also his slaves, as he calls us. And even as Paul called himself in many of his letters, Dulos, which is what this show is named after. We are slaves of righteousness once we come into the family of God. So Romans, Romans 6, 20 to 23 also reiterates this point where Paul writes uh, again, uh, for when you were the servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. 
What fruit had ye and then what fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now being made free from sin and having become servants of God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and in the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So Paul is saying here that we are the servants of sin. Uh, when we were the servants of sin, we were free from righteousness. We had no idea. We had, we had nothing to do with righteousness and holiness and, and doing what was right in the eyes of God. But now that we are freed from sin, we are the servants of God. We are now made able to be servants of holiness, of righteousness, and all of that leads to everlasting life because of the death, again, of Jesus Christ on the cross. So the number six reason why Jesus died on the cross was to justify us in the sight of God. And we're back in Romans again, where Paul talks about this in Romans 3, verses 20. Uh, uh, through 24, it says, Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh shall be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all those who believe. For there is no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So Paul is saying, t telling us here clearly that nobody can be justified by keeping the law of God. Nobody has ever kept God's law perfectly because if you if you had, then you would have been worthy of heaven. You would, you would deserve heaven. But we have all sinned. We have all broken God's law. So therefore, we all deserve death. And so the only way for us to be justified in the sight of God was for us to have our sins paid for and for have, to have our sins reckoned, uh, uh, removed really from us. And this is what Jesus did as verse uh, 22 talks about how that the righteousness, righteousness of God is by faith in Jesus Christ. And it's for everybody who believes in him. The righteousness of God is reserved for those who believe upon Jesus. So if you want the righteousness of God credited to your account, if you want the righteousness of God as your own righteousness, the Bible says you have to put your faith in Jesus Christ and in him alone. You can't trust your own works. Your own deeds are just going to damn you. Uh, but your faith in Christ will save you and cleanse you of your sin if you follow, uh, if you are able to submit yourself and willing to submit yourself to what the Bible has told us uh, about true salvation in Christ Jesus. And so Paul again talks about this point in Galatians 2, uh, verses, uh, verse 16, where he writes, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law. Again, Paul couldn't be any more clear. Nobody will ever be able to say, I kept the law, I kept the law of God, therefore I deserve to be made right with God. That is, a, that is a lie. That is a statement that is just not true at all. Uh, it cannot be possible because you are a sinner by nature. And we are, we are all sinners by nature. But by, the faith, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works, the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. In one verse, Paul is trying to make it clear over and over that you will never be justified by keeping the law. You are a sinner by nature. You have lied. You've stolen. You've fornicated. You've lusted. You've coveted somebody's possessions. You've gossiped. You've backbite. You've done something that was wrong in the eyes of God. Therefore, you will never be able to be justified by keeping the law yourself because you've broken the law. James tells us that if, you, if you're guilty of breaking the law in one point, 
then you're guilty of breaking the entire law. And therefore, God has the right to hold you accountable to die because that is a standard that God has set. So Christ died on the cross to justify us in the sight of God. Justify, you can think of the word as just being made right with God, meaning uh, one pastor explained it where he said that justification is just as if you had never sinned. So God takes your sins away, cleanses you, washes you, justifies you, and makes you right in his sight where he looks at you. Uh, where actually, he really doesn't see you anymore. He sees Christ, and therefore uh, God would never hold his son accountable for sin because he uh, kept the law perfectly. Therefore, you being hidden in Christ and united with Christ, you are perfectly made righteous in the eyes of God. So the number seven reason why Jesus died on the cross was to fulfill God's plan of redemption. In Luke 24, verses 25 to 27, Jesus is talking to the two men on the road to Emmaus where he says, O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in, the, in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So Jesus is saying here, you're fools. I mean, this is obvious. Of course, I had to go through what I went through. I had to go through the death. I had to go through the betrayal. I had to go through the whippings and the, the abuse that I suffered. All of this was part of God's plan. This was written in the Old Testament. You should have known. You should have believed and trusted that this was going to happen to me. Jesus is making the point like this is obvious. This God's plan of redemption was for me to die and to suffer uh, and to absorb the sins of those who would believe on me so that you guys would be able to be made free and be able to be reconciled and justified and and uh, and become uh, a blessing uh, and, be, and be able to be part of God's family. Um, and so uh, God, Jesus died to fulfill God's plan of redemption because he was submitting himself to what God had already written in the Old Testament regarding his coming into the world. Acts 2 verses 22 to 23 also talks about this where Paul or Peter is standing up and, and preaching on the day of Pentecost. And he tells the Jews there, ye men of Israel, hear these words, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth. A man approved of God among you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determinate will and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. So Peter is saying here that it was the determinate will. This was uh, planned before the foundation of the world for Jesus to suffer and die on the cross. So that means the fall of Adam was not something that was surprising or something that God didn't expect to happen. It was ordained of God for Adam to fall so that Christ would come into the world and be the savior of all men who would believe in him. And uh, we see this even explained pretty succinctly in Revelation, Revelation chapter 13, verse 8, where it says, And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, talking about the beast that comes into the world that deceives the nations. And so all those who are worshiping him are, are deceived and damning themselves. Uh, Re Revelation 13, 8 says, Whose names are not written in the book of the life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. So this is telling us here that Jesus's death was meant to happen. It was part, it was part of God's uh, creation, part of God's plan. When he created the world, Christ had already been determined to suffer and die for the sins of the world, which means that sin was in the world, which means that Adam's sin, his fall, uh, was planned and determined by God. Ultimately, this was not something that um, ultimately God didn't know what was going to happen or expected it to happen and he had to make some kind of contingency plan to counteract what the devil had done 
in Adam. No, this was part of God's plan from the beginning of the world to demonstrate his goodness, his grace, and his mercy, and also his wrath and his justice and his, his holiness. So the number eight reason for why Jesus came into the world was to restore what Adam had lost, which was eternal life. And eternal life is that which is the knowledge of God, as Jesus says in John 17, 3. Uh, and I think Romans 5, 12 through 19 talks about this pretty, pretty clearly as well, where <clears throat> Paul is writing, he says, Therefore, as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin, so death passed unto all men, for all have sinned. So one man, Adam, he sinned and sin came into the world. And death passed upon all of us because we all come from Adam, which is why we all sin. The reason why nobody's perfect is because we all came from Adam. We all came from Adam uh, because Adam was the first man that God created. And because Adam sinned, that sin that Adam uh, did was passed on to all of us through his seed. Uh, and because of that, we are now all naturally born sinners, as Psalm tells us. Um, so Paul continues, he says, for until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned in the similitude of Adam's transgression, he being the figure of him that was to come. Not, but not as the offense, so also is a free gift. For if through the, the offense of one, many be dead, much more the grace of God and by the, and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ hath abounded unto many. So Adam's sin damned the entire human race because we all come from Adam. Adam brought death into the world, which is what we earn by our sin, but Jesus Christ brought life and gives it freely. So even though we earn death because of Adam's sin and because we by nature are sinners, we get eternal life freely because Jesus gives us his grace, his mercy, his forgiveness freely because of the faith he gives us to believe upon him. So Adam's one act brought condemnation on all on uh, brought condemnation on all of us but Jesus one salvific gift completely erases the guilt of our many acts of sin so just by one act Adam damned the entire human race but by one act of salvation uh, the one act of Jesus dying on the cross we are able to now have our guilt erased um, so Adam's disobedience made us sinners by nature but Jesus's obedience makes many people righteous in the sight of God. So that's the good news of the gospel. And that's the number eight reason why Jesus died on the cross to restore what Adam had lost, the eternal life and the knowledge of God. Uh, so number nine, uh, the reason why Jesus uh, died on the cross was uh, to submit himself to the scriptures. And sometimes we forget that uh, how authoritative the Bible is. The Bible is the word of God. The Bible is how we think, how we operate, what we believe. Uh, we are supposed to be submitted entirely to the scriptures, which is what Jesus modeled for us when he came into the world. Jesus wasn't getting uh, his his ideas and his thoughts uh, or, or his plan for his life outside of the scripture. He was doing it by what the scriptures had been written, uh, by what the scriptures were had written about him. And he was following that exactly as God had intended. And we see this in Matthew 26, verses 48 to 54, where uh uh, obviously Matthew is writing and he's talking about uh, what Jesus is going through when uh, Judas betrayed Jesus in the garden on the night before he died uh, and at 48 to 54 we'll pick it up where Judas is coming to betray him and it says now that he that betrayed him 
meaning Judas, gave them a sign, saying, Whomsoever I shall kiss, that same is he. Hold him fast. And forthwith he came to Jesus and said, Hail, Master, and kissed him. And Jesus said unto him, Friend, why art thou come? Then they came and laid hands on Jesus and took him. And behold, one of those who was with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck a servant of the high priest and smote off his ear. His ear. Then said Jesus unto him, Put up again thy sword into his place, for all they that take the sword shall perish with the sword. Thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my father, and he shall at once give me more than twelve legions of angels? But how then shall the scriptures be fulfilled that thus it must be? So again, Jesus is saying here, why? And this was Peter who attacked this guy's ear, and Jesus actually healed the guy's ear and put it back on him. Another testament to who he was as God in the flesh. But Jesus is saying here, why in the world are you doing this, knowing that I could call the angels and they could save me, rescue me in an instant and kill all these people instantaneously? But I'm not doing that because what I'm doing is fulfilling my is submitting myself to the fulfillment of the scriptures, uh, which are, which is the word of God, the plan of God for my life at this time. And to do that, I need to I need to submit myself to what God has ordained through the, the through through the revelation of the scripture. John nineteen twenty eight also discusses this where uh, the apostle John is writing this gospel. And uh, Jesus says, while he was on the cross, while he was suffering and dying, while he was going through excruciating pain and absorbing the, the wrath of God against the sins of all those who would ever believe on him. Jesus it says this in John 19, verse 28. After this, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. It didn't say that he said he was thirsty because he was uh, he was he was physically drained and, and needed some sustenance. It was saying he was saying I thirst to fulfill what the Bible uh, was saying uh, or what the Bible had written of him. Now, obviously, he was thirsty because you when you're on the cross, you're losing a lot of blood. You're losing a lot of uh, a lot of nutrients and you're you're obviously dying. So you're losing uh, you're you are becoming thirsty and and it is difficult to even breathe into into operate when you're when you're suspended with the nails in your hands and in your feet but Jesus's mind was so focused on accomplishing the will of God that he wanted to submit himself again to the scripture and said I thirst because that was what had been written of him um, long ago and in the Old Testament and so the number 10 reason the last reason why Jesus died on the cross to save us from sin to take away the penalty from sin and to become a curse for us, to reconcile us, to buy us out of the slave, the slave market of sin, to justify us in the sight of God, to fulfill God's plan of redemption, to restore what Adam had lost, and to submit himself to the scriptures. The last reason why Jesus died on the cross that I, that I have here is to demonstrate the love of God. And we know the famous verse on the love of God is in John 3, verse 16. I probably wouldn't even need to read it because I've heard it so many times, and I'm sure you have heard it so many times and memorized it when you were young. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. This is the chief uh, reason uh, uh, of, of what love looks like. It's a love that is willing to go and sacrifice your own body for the sake of another. Jesus said that no man hath, hath greater love than this than to give his life for his friends. And that's exactly what Jesus did for those who trust and believe in him. He gave his life on the cross. And this is how God demonstrated his love is by Jesus dying on the cross. It's by Jesus sacrificing himself for his enemies. As Romans 5 verses 6 through 8 tells us when Paul's writing about this again. 
Uh, he says, For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely will one die for a righteous man, yet perhaps for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So Jesus died for his enemies. He died for people that hated him, that wanted him to die, that wanted him to suffer uh, injury and harm and, and to be despised and wanted him to be just completely ostracized. Um, Jesus died for his enemies, and those enemies were you and me. We would have done the same thing that the Jews did if we were living at the time, if not for the grace and mercy of God, uh, regenerating our hearts and, and saving us. We would have wanted Jesus to die because he, he, he calls out our sin. He, he tells us that we need to repent. He tells us that we need to humble ourselves. He tells us that we are damned if we don't believe in him. All of these things are not things that the world likes to hear. We don't like to hear them before we get saved, but it's true. Because and the reason why Jesus tells us these things really is because he loves us. And he says, I died for you. I don't want you to come to know me and come to know me on my terms and come to know me in a way that is fulfilling and lasting and true so that you don't end up deceiving yourselves after you look for all these things that claim to make you happy. We're probably living in one of the most unhappy times in American history or teen suicide is on the rise. Suicide uh, and pretty much any demographic is on the rise. And it's because people don't know what it means to have the, God love them and love them through Christ who died for them, died for their sin, to cleanse them, to wash them, to make them new, to give them uh, a sense of, uh, of, of cleanliness from the sin that plagues them and that brings uh, uh, an assault on their conscience through guilt. Um, but Jesus came into the world to die for his enemies, which is why if anybody could tell us who, you know, how to love our enemies, Jesus demonstrated it perfectly for us, which is why you and I need to love our enemies if we claim to be followers of Christ. 1 John 4, verses 9 through 10, we'll end here. John writes again about the love of God being demonstrated to us. Uh, 1 John 4, verses 9 through 10, the Apostle John writes, In this was manifested the love of God toward us. So what is this? That God sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. Here in his love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. So this is the love of God, that Christ died for the sins of all those who would believe that he died to take away the penalty of sin, that he died to restore our fellowship with God, that he died to fulfill the law of God and the, and the, mercy, and the, the plan of God for salvation. Jesus did this all uh, really to the glory of God. He died on the cross to glorify God, and all of these things glorify God. And all of the ten reasons I gave glorify God, and that's why Jesus came into the world. This is why we celebrate Good Friday, because it was the, the best day in human history where Christ uh, took the sins of all those who would believe on himself, thereby g giving us the, 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 uh, the grace and the faith and the mercy that we needed to, be, have, to, to have a right relationship with God, to be justified in the sight of God, to have peace with God and to enjoy everlasting life, all by the free gift of grace through Jesus Christ. And so after listening to this today, if you want that grace, if you want to be saved, if you want to have your sins completely cleansed, if you want to, have to, if you want to come to a full understanding of why Good Friday is so important, then you must repent. The Bible says you must turn from your sin. You must live, uh, uh, you must uh, believe in Christ. You must live in obedience to him. To, sh to demonstrate that your faith is genuine. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. But if you want 
to be forgiven if you want to uh, experience the true love of God demonstrated in Jesus Christ and, and in his death on the cross. And you must repent, turn from sin, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. And you will be saved instantaneously. God will justify you. He will completely eradicate all sin, uh, all the sins that were against you, all, all the guilt of sin in your life. He will completely eradicate that and you will be made righteous from this day forward. You will be serving God uh, in holiness and in righteousness, and God will be pleased with you because you are hidden in his son, Jesus Christ. So uh, thank you for listening today. I hope you have a good, good Friday. And to, to remind you, we have a, our next Do Laws View on Sunday afternoon. Coach Adam Bishop from Region, Prepar Region Preparatory School. He's also a, a good brother at our church. We'll sit down and talk with him and, and get his testimony and talk about how he also is experiencing the love of God demonstrated in Jesus Christ our Lord. So thank you for listening and I will see you on the next episode of Do Loss.